Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural SC Playbook AFL podcast for season 22. This is the first of hopefully many SC Playbook AFL podcasts we'll be doing. Uh, My name is Eddie and I'm going to be running you through things this season. Um, I've got a couple of very special guests who are going to help me out with that though. Um, And the first one almost needs no introduction in the Supercoach world. It's Nico, coach of Lovsky FC the runner-up overall in 2021. Nico, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Glad to be on. Great to have you on, mate. And we've got Dylan is our other guest today. Um, Dylan, absolute pleasure to have you. Seen a lot of your writing work elsewhere around the place, and it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on SC Playbook. Yeah, really looking forward to it, Eddie. Um, thanks for having me on board. Pleasure, guys. Um, first off, I guess we should probably get to know you two both a little bit. So, Nico, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your super coach, hope, super coach hopes and dreams for this season is probably the best place to start? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, everyone wants to improve, don't they, on their last season? So I guess there's um, the number one spot that I'm looking for <laughs> coming uh, into 2022. But uh, in all honesty, it's um, it's really hard to sort of stay at, at the top there. So, if I can just sort of stay in that top 1% or, or whatever, I'll be pretty happy. Uh, there was a, uh, a coach of Dyslexia United who actually has finished in the top 10 the last two years running. So that might be something to uh, to look forward to or try to achieve. Um, Gee, yeah. yeah, pretty crazy, isn't it? I, imagine yeah, reminds me, I don't know if you guys have seen Marrera's magic in the AFL fantasy game who I think won it twice and has been in the top 10 a couple of times as well. It's, it doesn't even make sense from a mathematical standpoint, but... <laughs> Um, if you can go close to going runner-up again, that'd be great. Um, and Dylan, what are you what are you sort of hoping to get out of this season? I guess everyone, Supercoach is great because you're sort of not playing against anyone per se. You sort of it's almost like golf. You're playing against your own um, ambitions more than anything. So what are you what are you hoping for out of this season? Yeah, very much so. So I was I ranked 390th um, last year, which was which was good without being great. Um, I'd love to sort of push in. I, my goal is sort of always the top 1,011. I think it is where you get all the free. KFC stuff, a couple of vouchers, <laughs> bucket hats, that sort of thing. Um, so that's if I get there, it's always a good season. Then, um, but as Nick has said, pushing that top top ten, fifteen is is always the goal. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and for what for what it's worth, my goal is just to to finish anywhere around the top thousand. Be fantastic, but um, I'm, I don't have too many expectations for myself. Um, I thought before we get into the sort of nitty gritty of the podcast, um, we better just let everyone know what SC Playbook AFL actually is going to be this year. Um, for those who haven't, who are new to the to the website, um, SC Playbook NRL has been around for a couple of years. Um, it's been hugely successful. Um, they've branched out of the BBL um, and done podcasts for both of those as well. Uh, and there's going to be a big group of contributors on deck for this um, AFL season. We've got some perfect. We've got you guys, obviously, along with a couple of other contributors, who's going to be doing weekly articles as well as, pos- well as podcasts. Um, and in the NRL version of SC Playbook, um, the their in-house contributors league, which is um, obviously all their writers that were writing for it, finished first out of over seventeen thousand leagues last year in the NRL Supercoach version. Um, so the NRL side of things knows what they're talking about at least. So it's now down to us, I guess, to to, to carry the load for the AFL side of things. Um, but yeah, very excited for the season. Um, I thought a good place to start um, for this show anyway would be just to have a quick look at the. The rule changes that we're seeing come through in AFL Supercoach this season. Um, 
do you guys get a chance to look at them? Um, and yeah, what are your what are your thoughts? And um, yeah, what do you what have you got to say about those? Yeah, um, definitely, definitely had a look at them. Um, I'm the kind of guy who likes to try things out and sort of see how how things work, but you can't really do that. So um, it's going to make things a little bit more tactical, I think, a little bit more strategic. Um, but there is a little bit of extra flexibility uh, as well with things like um, you can still make changes after lockout and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, so it might, if you understand them, all the rule changes, it might just give you that edge on your mates, especially in leagues and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, read up on them and make sure you know what's new and, and how you can take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, just a quick summary. I um, should let everyone know that uh, Supercoach has made it. So we've got 35 trades over the 23 rounds um, and you've got three per round during the buys, uh, two per round in other rounds, unless you use this new feature, which is a trade boost. So you can use up to five tr- trade boosts in any round to get an extra trade for that round, up to a maximum of three per round or four during the buy. So uh, and they come out of your total of 35. So I guess it's like, um, I think there's a similar version in the EPL um, fantasy, which is uh, you get a wild card round where you can use six replacements or something like that. So I guess where that's where that's come from. And um, it's obviously in response to a bit of uncertainty about whether we'll get full teams um, with COVID. Uh, it's still rearing its ugly head every now and then. Um, Dylan, did you, what did you make of, what did you make of those rules? Yeah, it's such an interesting thing to sort of talk about because we can do all this planning and whatnot. And as we sort of saw with the BBL season, it only takes one or two games to sort of have to get moved and then it, your whole planning's thrown out of whack. So I haven't really let it change my thinking too much. Um, the, the big two for me were obviously the the trade boosts. So when you use those five extra trades, um, I think that could be a really, that could be a way where people sort of gain an edge. Um, but other than that, I'm not, I think some of the other ones are a little bit like the the DPP changes is actually probably the other one that I sort of really sort of piqued my interest because, you know, in the past you're sort of looking at guys to break out in that position. Now all of a sudden, you know, if you get guys like Scott Pendlebury added as a defender, um, is someone like a Jaden Short going to be a top eight defender now? And he's like, is he a season-long keeper? So for me, I've sort of based my planning around only picking those uber premium options, which I've sort of done in the past anyway, but... So these are your guys like your, your Jake Lloyds, um, your Jack Steels, that like the really really big dogs um, that you can hopefully pretty safely say will be will be that in the top six or eight or ten players in their line, um, rather than some speculative players who, you know, if you get an influx of DPP changes, may or may not be um, as good as we thought they could be. Yeah, I reckon. Sorry to interrupt. Um, Eddie, I, I reckon the big one is. Um, trying to get um, that forward line filled with maybe um, some some midfielders or, or a ruckman who's spent a bit of time up forward. I think that's going to be um, uh, like a, a big part of this game. If we if we do get these guys coming through, like just say the, the dream is Gorn um, playing forward with Jackson more in the ruck. If you yeah. can pick up Gorn as, as your F1, like that's fantastic. Um, danger, you know, there's – I don't know if we're going to get too many. That's – but, yeah, yeah I, I guess we've seen sort of similar iterations of this with Ultimate Footy and um, some of the draft leagues where they add positions mid-season and they always seem to be quite conservative with it. I think the rule of thumb is it's something like you have to spend 40% of game time in that position or something similar to that. Yeah, which 35. Be, yeah. 35, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, the, the perfect example of it probably is um, Jack Zebel from last year who was who was a forward all season but was taking kickouts and for all intents and purposes playing as a defender. Um, so he had received forward slash defensive status last year, um, that would have been uh, that would have been immense for a lot of coaches would have thrown planning sort of into disarray, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you've got to mention a couple of them, but are there any 
Are there any sort of other players that you you foresee having that sort of ability to to add a position mid season? Um, yeah, maybe Marshall from the Saints. If um, if Riders fit, um, he might be a good one to pick up forward. I had him last year; he scored really well. Um, other than that, we sort of mentioned I've mentioned Danger. Matt Flynn's probably going to get it from the from the Giants, but I don't think he's too relevant. Um, what do you reckon, Dylan? Yeah, there's not. There's not too many big – like, I think often people get sucked into these DPP changes as well. I know the new batch from last year to this year, a lot of people go, oh, you know, this guy's gone and got DPP status, but are they actually all that relevant? Like, they're not rookies. Are they going to be these top-end options? Um, you know, there's some names. I'm trying to think of some names off the top of my head, but, um, you know, Mitch Duncan was probably the only one that got forward status that – has really, really made me sort of stand up and take notice um, from last yes, year. Taranto, maybe Taranto, as well. yep, and yeah. maybe Adam Trelaw if he stays fit. But other than that, you get a lot of players that that get it and are probably in that fifteen to twenty band that sort of have you in no man's land a little bit. They're not, they're not your top end options, and they're not going to make you a lot of coin either. So, yeah. yeah, there's not, there's not too many relevant ones that I can think of yet. I guess that's something that we'll see as the season sort of starts to play out. Um, yeah, Nico, you touched on a few of them, but I think where it'll be really, really handy is in, is in the ruck um, slash forward. That being able to move the player between ruck and forward is going to be really handy because um, I'm sure we'll discuss this in a podcast further down the line, but um, the ruck position is going to be a really tricky one for people to um, determine what they're going to do, whether they go with the two premiums, whether they go with one premium and um, and try and take a punt on Proust or even one of the Max Lynch from Hawthorne. Um, so if you had that sort of backup of having a a forward line player who could rotate into the ruck and vice versa, that might make that decision a lot easier for people. But um, yeah, I, I I personally don't think there's much worth in putting in making trying to make predictions around those positions because as we know, they're very fickle and um, it may not even happen anyway. Um, I just wanted to also touch off on boys. Um, the SC Playbook uh, model gets by on premium content, so signing up to SC Playbook for thirty bucks get to you the entire content library for the 2022 AFL season um, or it's $40 for the full package covering AFL, NRL and BBL. So that gets you, that's also going to get you exclusive access into our WhatsApp group, um, which is going to be us and a few of the other contributors and just chatting trash about footy and um, Supercoach, uh, which could be really good. Um, and But if, you, if that's not to your style, we've also got a heap of free content um, along the site as well and um, I recommend checking the site out. Um, Nico, you've written a few really good team previews and Dylan, you as well. Um, I think Nico, you did you did my bombers, and uh, Dylan, did. Was, did you write? Was it Geelong that you did you did recently? Oh, I did Carlton. Um, did Carlton, that's right. Yeah, the Blues are they're a little bit of an enigma, aren't they? they? Every year, people go, oh, they're going to make finals. This is their year. They're back. The baggers are back, and it never sort of seems to happen. Um, they've been they've been coming for ten years. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I'm not um, sure. I'm just ignoring them because I dislike them, but I can't seem to find any relevant um, Carlton. Oh, it was it was hard. I sort of jumped. I was at a um an open training session for them. Um, I'm a Hawthorne supporter, so I, I don't. I don't have any affiliation to Carlton, but I was at an, um, an, an open training session, so I sort of had a little bit of a, a glimpse into what they were doing. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll write, I'll write about them. I'll have some stuff to say. And I was going through the list and thought, geez, outside of Sam Walsh and maybe a couple of rookies, they're, they're yeah. pretty irrelevant, um, super coach wise. But yeah, um, anyway. They've got a good start. They've got a good start to the season as well. But yeah, there really isn't, apart from, as you said, Sam Walsh, who I think I'm not even going to start. So yeah. I don't no, know. no, it's a tough one for them at the moment. Um, but the Hawks, meanwhile, are, are going to be very relevant. And I'm sure a couple of their players will pop up in this um, this next little segment we're going to do, which is 
taking a look at um, the different strategies and different players that you guys are, are looking at for your defensive setups. Um, and for me, I think this is potentially my hardest position to, to figure out at the moment. I can't seem to work out whether I'm going four premiums, five premiums, three premiums. Um, there's a lot of mid-price options around. Um, there doesn't seem to be a heap of rookie options. Um, what are you guys, what are, what are your sort of thoughts on it, Dylan? What, what approach are you taking to start with? Yeah, so at the moment, I've got the four um, premium options, so all north of 500, 500K and then rookies from there. But I think come round one, it'll be just dependent on which rookies actually get named. So at the moment, they're all just placeholders. Um, so, yeah, they're all sub-130 placeholders at the moment. I think if, like, if only two of those guys get named, it's obviously not going to be feasible to have two donuts um, in one line. So that enforce a little bit of a rejig, I think. So I've got the four premiums in defence at the moment. If for whatever reason the rookie structure doesn't eventuate, I'd have to drop one. Um, so yeah. Jaden Short is that fourth defender um, at the moment who I think um, without without Hooley, hopefully he can go 105, 110. Um, but, you know, it is it is a little bit more speculative than, say, your Lloyds and your, your Jordan Ridleys. So at the moment I've got the four, um, but yeah. it could certainly change depending on on rookies come round one. Yeah, I'm the yeah, same. I've got, I got four. Yeah, there's four locked in for me at the moment. I think yeah. um, you've touched on I think the rookies are going to be um, the toughest to pick in defence, which is why I've got four at the moment. Um, it's just a matter of watching those preseason games, seeing if anyone lobs up. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm not too not too um, positive that, you know, the likes of Gould and all these guys are going to come through. So, yeah. um, for me, I've got Lloyd um, locked in with no Dawson. He should have the kickouts again. Um I have short uh, as well. Should get a little, a little boost without Hawley. Um, Hall, and I've got Sicily just on price point alone at the moment, um, which just frees up a little bit of cash elsewhere. Yeah, um, but yeah, four and then um and then rookies. I, I haven't haven't gone into the mid price yet in defense, but there is someone I've got an eye on. Ooh, so we might might touch on that a bit later in the point yeah, of difference. Right. Let's start with the we'll, have, we'll start with the premiums in the, in defence, and I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, both of you guys um, have locked in Jake Lloyd, and so have I. I think that's probably one of the bigger no-brainers going around at the moment. Um, I think you probably have to have him round one. Um, I can't see a world in which he doesn't be one of the premium six defenders by the year, by the end of the year. An interesting one that both of you have, um, and I also have as a massive Bombers fan, is Jordan Ridley, um, and. He is a very interesting player this year's season with Jake Kelly arriving at the club, hopefully freeing him up a bit to do that rebounding role. Um, the worry for me is Dyson Heppel, um, who will be spending a lot more time in defence and taking kickouts. Um, what do you guys think? What's what's your feel on Ridley? You obviously both like him. Why is it? Uh, I don't have him at the moment. Um, I'm definitely close to having him, though. I think it's between him and Short for me. Um, if he does get the kick-ins, I'll put him straight in. Um, I think it looks like he's going to be freed up a little bit to play that intercept role and maybe push up the ground a little bit. There was an article the other day. I think Jake Kelly was interviewed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, absolutely very, very close. But I just want to see a couple of preseason games and see if he's taken maybe like half of the kickouts. That might be enough to, to lock him in. But um, going back two years ago, he's exactly what you want in a defensive pick. Yeah, I'd, I'd just reiterate everything Nico said. He, he gets those intercept marks and whatnot, um, takes some kickouts. I think Kelly, in that they, the sort of quotes they grabbed from that press, he virtually said he, he'll be the, the lockdown player so that Ridley can do whatever he wants up the ground and that 
that's pretty good news for super coaches. Um, he's also a little bit cheaper than than some of the other premiums. So Ridley's just under five hundred and forty. You're sort of looking at five hundred and eighty for for your Halls and Lloyd types. Um, so there is a little bit of a discount there. Um, his scoring is he's got the scoring history and the ceiling as well. We've seen some pretty big Ridley scores over the years. So he's um, a pretty proven selection. And I I hate Essendon as much as the the next non Essendon um, supporter, but Ridley's yeah. one I'm I'm pretty happy to pretty happy to put in. Yeah, I just want to throw some numbers quickly at you guys. He had 12 tonnes last year, five scores over 120 um, and an average of 98.6, which did include a concussion-affected game, which I think he scored 15. So if you remove that game out of his average, he's up to 102, which would have been good enough for seventh in the league for defenders last year. Um, and, yeah, I think we, I think everyone sort of thinks he's going to take a little bit of a step forward. So um, whether or not others catch him as well, um, I personally will be starting Ridley, but uh, take that with a grain of salt given my inherent bias there. Um, I want to chuck a couple other names at you. Nico, you mentioned um, James Sicily. Um, yep. He's a, obviously a pretty volatile character. Uh, good super coach scorer, though. What, what attracts you to him um, to start the year? Uh, yeah, look, it's his role. So he does play that Ridley role where he intercepts. Um, I think he does have uh, the monopoly on the kickouts as well. Um, need to wait and see on that. But he's just a proven scorer. He's a hothead. So you've always got that risk of suspension, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, look, he, um, the, other, the other thing that you have to be wary of is if he gets thrown forward. If he gets thrown forward, you don't want him. Um, you need him playing that that sweeping role, getting cheap ball, taking intercept marks. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's worth the risk at his price at 440 odd or whatever he is. Um, just to, yeah, it gives me the option to maybe go up to a Took or something like that in the middle. So um, I've got him in at the moment, but as you know, you chop and change every every hour or so with, with Supercoach in the preseason. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Hawthorne either being a Collingwood guy. So um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. But his, um, his pedigree is there. And his role should be there. So he's cooled off. He won't. He won't get suspended this year, Nico. I'm telling you. He's he's calm now. He's relaxed. He's had a year out with injury. He's um. He's not going <laughs> to. Fingers crossed. He doesn't go forward because hopefully, my theory is that you'll have Kaczynski and Lewis as your two main guys, with Gunston as the third tall, and then down back you've got Frost and Hardigan and Granger Barras, and so hopefully Sicily can just do whatever he pleases um, in terms of intercepting. But as you mentioned, it, it seems to be the first sort of plan B is move Sicily where we need need help. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen from a Supercoach perspective, but always on the cards. One guy that I am very interested in um, who doesn't seem to be getting a lot of buzz currently is Braden Maynard from Collingwood. Um, have you guys had put much thought into him at all? Has he crossed your, crossed your team, any of your random teams that you've made so far? Uh, I haven't considered him, Dylan, have you? No, I've left him out as well. I just think it'd be interesting to hear what you guys say. I, I don't think he's got the same upside as some of the others. So even Jack Crisp is one I'd, I'd probably pick over him. Um, so we've sort of rattled off between us probably six yeah. or seven or eight names now and, and Maynard hadn't bobbed up. I just think that I can't see him being top five in the position. Best case scenario, he scraps in that six to eight and doesn't really make him a must-have, does it? No, Collingwood's midfield is pretty weak, though, I think, at the moment, especially if Pendlebury does go back. So he might, if he does get that midfield minutes, he, he might be a shout, but I think I'd wait and see and see if he's an upgrade target more than anything. But as we've mentioned, there's so many good options in defence. Um, you know, we haven't even spoken about Whitfield um, no, or, right. or, or Daniel Rich. So, And we're already picking, what, four primos. You're only leaving two spots open. So 
yeah, I don't know. You don't want to um, lock yourself in too much. Maybe that's another reason to go three primos instead of four, but um, the rookies just need to be there. So, what are, another option that I'm seeing a lot of buzz about? Jordan Dawson. Um, I've noticed neither in neither of your teams does seem to be a very very popular preseason pick. Um, is there a reason that both of you haven't picked him? Um, and yeah, what 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 would make you pick him over the preseason from here? Uncertainty for me. I don't know what role he's going to play. New club. Yeah, so just another wait and see. See what he does in preseason. Um, they should get plenty of ball down there, though, shouldn't they, really, <laughs> at the start of the year, at least. Anyway, they've got a pretty tough run at the start of the year. Um, but, yeah, look, if he's on kickouts, look, he's just another guy to throw into the mix. Um, he probably is priced maybe a little bit too high, perhaps, right now. But um, you may be able to pick him up a little bit cheaper if he has a bit of a bad game or something. Yeah, I'd echo those sentiments as well. I think even at Sydney, he sort of got thrown around on a wing. He was half forward at times. He was in the back line. So I think it's just a wait and see. We've got more clarity over other guys. So I'm happy to leave him on the back burners for a little bit. Yeah, that's that's generally my strategy with the the player that changes clubs. Um, I do tend to see them as an upgrade target rather than a starting target just because of that uncertainty. And um, I think Dawson... He's a prime candidate for that, even though he was, uh, I think he was the seventh highest averaging defender last year. So he does have runs on the board in that sense. But the, the change of club always scares me. Um, and you just never know. Like Adelaide's ball movement coming out of there might be 20% as good as Sydney was. And that knocks off that knocks off 5% of his score. And then suddenly you're looking at the 10th best defender and you've spent a monster on him as well. Exactly. Um, you don't want him playing on the wing or something. Like you no. really need him playing off the halfback line and, and taking some kickouts. A couple other quick fire ones for you. Um, Aaron Hall, um, for me, I see him as an upgrade target. Um, you guys clearly do as well. I've got him at the moment. I think he, yeah. he's a he's a major seagull. Like he just gets so much cheap, so much cheap possession. Um, as a as a player, I sort of loved him when he was that midfield half forward at, at the Gold Coast. But he just gets cheap stuff on the half back line now for North. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I've got him purely off the back of, of the fact that he gets all this this cheap stuff that isn't necessarily – it's not the best 35-possession <laughs> game you'll ever see, but supercoach-wise, it, it's pretty reliable. And his body surprisingly held up well last year. I thought every week it was like, oh, Hall's going to go down, Hall's going to go down, but he hasn't, and fingers crossed it, it doesn't happen early. Yeah, I keep agreeing with you, Dylan, but I've got him locked in. Um, yeah, he's um, he plays the right role again, cheap ball, bruise-free. Yeah, he should be fine with his body if he keeps doing what he's doing. Z-Ball, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know where he's going to play, but he dropped off massively at the end of last season. Um, whether or not he pushes into the middle again or, or or be selfless and play on a half forward or line or something like that, I'm not sure. But I think Hall's definitely cemented that role um, and he's just going to keep scoring at that you know, 115 mark, I reckon, 120, um, which you know you're paying the money for him, but you know, expecting that output, I think. Yeah. Um, just I'll throw two more names out here we'll, um, as possibilities that you could have. Daniel Rich, um, Dyson Heppel as well are two of the other premiums that are on the table. And we spoke a little bit about Jaden Short. Um, I do want to get into quickly whether you guys have any mid-prices that you're looking at. Um, personally, I'm enamoured with Will Day from Hawthorne. Um, I really like his, his chances of becoming a... Top ten defender this year. He's got a nice price point. Um, what are you guys? Are you guys looking anywhere different for any of your mid price options in the def- in the defensive line? Uh, yeah, not so much. There is one guy which I mentioned earlier. We'll, I'll talk about him a bit later on. But yep. um, apart, yeah, apart from him, I don't 
yeah, I think I'll just stay to the the guns and rookies uh, in the defense. I think. I yeah. think the forward line forward lines where I'm probably going to play a little bit, play a little bit of the mid price madness. I think. Yeah, I'm going to see my players to both of you. I, I do love Will Day as a footballer, um, Eddie, but I, I'm unsure what our backline mix looks like. So we've got you've got Jarman Impey that runs through there, um, Lockie Bramble, Will Day obviously, Sicily's back in the mix, um, the, Dimmer Hardwick as well. There's sort of four, five, six. Scrimshaw's another one that that can play yep. that half back, um, even wing role. I think Day has the most upside out of that bunch. So that sort of says to me that maybe we might see him through the midfield or on a wing a little bit more than, say, a, a, a Bramble or a, or a Scrimshaw type. Um, but the price point is certainly there. And I think a 90 average for, for Day is certainly not um, off the cards no matter where he plays. I'm just – I'm always hesitant with the mid-prices and I'd hate to put too many eggs in a Hawthorne basket and then just be – Really upset when he sucks and we suck, and then it, <laughs> it just um, it won't end well. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, especially as well, if you'd, if you'd rather Sicily is that mid price option in the Hawthorne backline, um, he's probably the safer call. Um, got a few more runs on the board. Um, I just think I personally I like Day's ceiling. Um, pumped out a one twenty two in round one last year, and then got injured, um, and then came back and had another couple of tons. Um, before hurting himself again, so it's it is there is an injury concern with him, but um, the the eye test is good. Um, he looks smooth. He uses the ball really well. Um, I think the question for me is really whether it's this year or next year that he becomes one of those top options. Um, and if there is that uncertainty, then yeah, I think you fall back on guns and rookies. And yeah, it's the guns. The guns are certainly uh, present in the defensive line, um, whereas it, it's a little bit easier to pick pick the guns that are going to be in the top six in defence, I feel, than it is in the other lines. Just speaking um, of, Eddie, is Whitfield's yeah. in 41% of teams at the moment. What do you what do you reckon about that? Do you, do you have him in? I don't currently have Whitfield in, and I, frankly, I don't really have a good reason for it. Um, so I'm hoping one of you two do so that you can bail me out. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit uncertain about the concussion history he's had and sort of the AFL really you know clamping down on that. Um, if he does get a knock, he's probably going to miss two games. Um, so, and he's proven, you know, a bit um, injury prone in, in the past as well. So he's likely to miss games anyway. So that's kind of why I'm sort of avoiding a little bit. Um, there's also Tom Stewart as well, who I've seen in, in quite a few teams as well. Um, no go for me. Just wait for that foot to heal properly, and um, he's priced at his peak as well. So maybe another one to avoid. Um, last thing we need to get to with the defensive line is the rookies, um, which there are few and far between. Personally, I currently have Charlie Dean, um, who won the VFL's best young player last year, averaged eight intercepts and 85 super, super coach points for Williamstown. Um, he's at Collingwood. Uh, it's again, we, they're more, they're merely placeholders at this point. We'll know more going forward. Um, I think the other popular option seems to be Garrett McDonough from Essendon. Um, who's mature age, um, and you would think with the Bombers in a semi-window that they wouldn't be picking up 24-year-old State League players just to play them in the State League. Um, so there's that option there. Are there any other guys that you, you guys will be watching in the preseason? Just on McDonough, I'm not, I'm not entirely sold on him. Like I, just, I know you don't pick up a State League player unless you, you have a plan for him, but I've sort of heard that Essendon were pissed off that they didn't get one of their guys in the first in the few picks before McDonough, and that it was very much a rush decision, and that this McDonough fellow is a really good worker, and and that he'll sort of help set standards around the club. I'm, I sort of, I can't work out where he fits into the mix. Um, he might just be a backup. 
Yeah. yeah. I sort of feel like he it, it, it might be a ready-made backup that if someone goes down, you can say, right, here you go, here's your, here's your guy. His numbers in the in the um, Richmond VFL weren't too eye-catching either. Um, I think he averaged about 20 touches, which which isn't... 21 touches, five intercepts, and 84 super coaches last year in the VFL, which, yeah, is, doesn't light the world on fire for sure. Um, but he, yeah, he is a body. Um, as we say, a lot of these guys are just placeholders at this point. Um, I... Will Gould is the other one that springs to mind. Um, we've been saying it, I think, every preseason for the last got to be five years at least. Um, Has anyone seen him on a footy field? Or <laughs> I, I personally haven't. Um, but it, the sign, this again, the chatter coming out of the Swans is he's impressing and he's going to be in for a bigger role. Um, but we're just going to have to wait and see um, on that. Are there any other guys that that took your fancy, so to speak? Uh, yeah, maybe Chesser from um, the Eagles. Um, or Driscoll, I'm hitting out west here, um, from Frio. There's a couple there. Um, yeah. I don't know if Kelly's going to get a chance at the Pies or not, but he might be a good swing with DeConing, perhaps, in the forward line. Yeah, that's yeah. we've been talking about it a bit. They're, they're a bit skinny, the rookies mm-hmm. in defence. Josh Sin is another one that's been pretty popular. Um, I, I'm, yep. I don't think he features round one. He, he's a really good footballer, um, but I've got a feeling that Going into an AFL system might be a little bit of a wake-up call for him. Um, having watched him closely in the in his NAB League days and, and talking to the people around him, I think he's more likely to be a guy that give it a year or so, um, and then you really see him flourishing as a as that halfback winger. Um, yeah, but yeah, I hard mean to break into the you know team that finished second last year in the home and away as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I guess it, for me, it'll be just Weber's name round one. Like I don't. Don't really care who it is. Um, it'll be warm bodies, rookie-wise in defence, I think. Yep, indeed. Well, thanks for that, boys. That's um, a pretty comprehensive wrap-up of the defensive line so far. Um, we've got, we're have got we on to our Top Sport section, um, and I'd like to give a shout-out to Top Sport, who helped SC Playbook get off the ground. They're the home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up, um, and we're going to be doing some previewing of their markets through the season um, if you're interested in getting on board, use the code SC Playbook. If linking up your account, so they know we sent you, it helps and it helps out SC Playbook um, a heap. If you do that, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Um, I set you to a task um, earlier this week to find me a market on Top Sport that um, you guys find attractive. Um, so I might start with a bit too early to get into sort of <laughs> same game disposals and that sort of stuff, but there are some futures on there. Um, Dylan, did you come up with anything that that you liked? Um, so I sort of was looking at the, um, the least wins market a little bit and I had Collingwood at $6.50. Um, I just, I like it. So I'm a Hawthorne man and realistically we're pretty ordinary, right? They're young, (laughs) we're not that great, but I think we've got enough star power to win the odd game here and there. We sort of saw that on the, at the back end of last season. So you still got your Tom Mitchells running around, your Luke Bruce, your, your Sicilies, these sorts of guys, Jay Gromira, who can sort of scrap a few wins together. I'm not sure that Collingwood have that same firepower anymore. We've seen Tidebottom and Pendlebury are sort of on their way out. Um, Grundy's obviously a star, but, you know, that's just one guy. Their forward line is, is pretty weak, I think. So I, I don't think they will win the wooden spoon, but at $6.50, I think it, it's it's worth a look. I wish I could argue with you as a Collingwood <laughs> man, but... I- yeah, I'm pretty. Um, I'm pretty much expecting us to sort of be at least um, in a similar situation as we were last season. Hopefully, what have you, what have you got for us, Nico? My play of the week: Lockie Neal yep. for the Brownlow. 
12 bucks um, he is. So just looking at a bit of video during the week, he looks like he's over all his injuries. He's, he's back and all of that kind of stuff. He running around like a, a happy young lad. So yeah, I reckon he's back to his best. So I think at 12 bucks, you know, at the start of the year, if he starts off getting 40 touches every week again, yeah, those odds will come in. Proven vote getter, obviously. Um, and I sort of went in the same direction as you, Dylan. I like the the least season wins market. It's always fun to root against someone. Um, and I, kind of, I quite like the Gold Coast Suns at $3.80. Um, I feel like the teams in their bracket, uh, the Kangaroos, Collingwood, um, Hawthorne, have all got slightly better, but I'm not sure where the improvement comes from. The Suns, obviously, Matt Rao is going to be a big in. Um, but apart from that, I... I can kind of see them treading water again while while a few other teams around them get better. So I quite like them at $3.80 for for the least wins. It'd be really interesting to see what the Gold Coast actually do this year. There's obviously the talk around what Clarko will do um, moving forward. You know, if the Gold Coast start poorly, I could see that spiraling big time. And unfortunately for Stewie Jew, it probably means he finds himself out um, if they don't sort of show some positive signs next or this year um, because... Alistair Clarkson is a pretty handy, pretty handy coach, and if he's free and available, I, I can see them really throwing a lot of money at him to try and try and rectify what what hasn't really worked up up um, in Queensland so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, they've also got a surprisingly super coach relevant this season. I mean, we I didn't even touch them on the defensive line, but we've got um uh, Buder, Connor Buderick as well, um, and the other one was Jack Lacocious, who I absolutely love. Um, are both sort of on the radar, so. Um, I hope I hope the Gold Coast Suns do do well this season, but I I have my worries about them. Um, now I've been looking forward to this segment for a bit, especially since you've been teasing it the whole time, Nico. Um, but uh, we're going to our point of difference plays so far early in this season. I, I think we might even touch base with this segment a couple of times throughout the preseason just to see where you're leaning because it does change so quickly. Um, but who is? I'll ask I'll ask Nico you this first because you love it. Who is the likely low ownership player you're going to start? You're going to you're going to start with this season. Yeah, so I'm looking at Katie and Coleman from Brisbane, uh, Defender 263K. He's in 6% of teams at the moment. Uh, finished last year, round 23, he got an 87. In the qualifying final, he got 90. And then in the semi, he got 77. Uh, and that was when he went and played off halfback. So all reports, um, as you know, most people are, he's flying uh, in the preseason. <laughs> um, explosive off halfback, apparently. Um, in you know in the match sims that they've had, so um, definitely keeping uh, an eye on him. Uh, whether or not I jump in, I'm not sure because I'll have to um yeah maybe sacrifice uh, a primo, maybe have yeah eleven and a half primos instead of twelve. But I really want to start with at least twelve. So um, and that means not having too many mid prices. I guess the the real question with Coleman is um yeah is is the role and there obviously is that Grant virtual sized hole in Brisbane's yep. defensive out out uh, defensive outfit, outfit so is do you, do you have any sort of intel on that have you have you noticed anything over the preseason that makes you think he'll step into that or is it more a um, a look back at the last few games of last season and what he produced there uh, there was a, a tweet that went out from uh, Klopp, super coach, obviously a, a Liverpool fan, um, giving a, an update on the line. So he said that Coleman looks exciting in defence with impressive run and dash that we saw late in 2021. Um, on top of that, he had Berry uh, uninterrupted preseason as well as Rayner, Cockatoo and Bailey getting regular on the ball minutes and, and Rayner especially praised for being explosive in the middle. So um, I think he's a, I think he's a good 
guy to follow potentially on, on Twitter there, um, giving us some, some updates, uh, obviously watching uh, the boys on the track and reporting back. So, yeah, I'm kind of the guy that uh, absorbs as much info as I can. So this is uh, gold for me, this kind of stuff. Dylan, did you have you seen much of Cadian Coleman? Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I, I guess just as much as the average footy fan, Brisbane's not a sort of a club I track too closely, just um, as, as I sort of do. But he, he looks really good in the in that in those last three rounds that Nico sort of touched on before. Whether or not that can consistently be put together throughout an entire season, I guess still it's a question that has to be asked, and, and whether he can or not remains to be seen. Um, I guess with all these mid-priced options, you're, you're sort of looking at, at, at guys that may or may not um, actually break out. I know I, I wrote about um, Mitch McGovern in my, in my Carlton preview, and again, that's that's purely on the back of that hopefully he gets this um, intercepting role um, and not, not a, a third tool forward. But again, you know, it's one thing to talk about these guys, whether or not we actually start them, um, I guess, is, is another thing. I think, as, as we touched on before, the forward line sort of seems to be where I will perhaps take a punt um, rather than the defence. Yeah. Yeah, I think my worry with Coleman is um, just a team like Brisbane, obviously in, in the mix, in contention. Um, I do wonder if they sort of go down the route of putting a more experienced player in that really crucial rebounding role. And um, I think there's been some word that Zorko might be one of the boys in, in line for that. So that, that would be my worry with Coleman, whether he does actually end up um, producing that, whether or not he does play in the pre, in the preseason. Um, Dylan, what, what where are you looking for, for your pod yeah, I, it sort of happens every year, and I think we sort of off the off off air we were discussing this. I've, in the past, I've always just gone predominantly with the pack. I don't really go too out too far out in the limb, and I guess that's probably why I haven't haven't had a, a, a season like Nico has, where I finished in the top ten and it's sort of in that next, still the one percent bracket, but but not really. Um, that top hundred is because I sort of follow the pack a little bit early, and then it's you're sort of having to really get a little bit creative late in the season to, to gain rank um, at the just, moment. Just quickly on that, Dylan, I didn't really start any pods or anything last year. It was all just yeah. a bit of you know, a bit of luck and um, just picking up guys cheap through the year, on, you know, with their break-evens. But, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Just um, you can't win Super Coach Like, you know, you, you might win the weekly prize, but you might, you're not going to win the whole thing in the first couple of rounds. So following the pack isn't a bad strategy. Yeah, yeah. And then, as you said, with these new trades, we don't know what sort of effect that'll have. But early draws, I think sometimes people pick pods for the sake of picking pods. And and just looking at the team that I've got at the moment, Took Miller's in 14% and Aaron Hall's in 16%. And in terms of keepers and and mid-price players, they're sort of the lower lower, um, selection, selected players that I've got. Um, Jared Berry's another one who isn't in my team but should be in my team. Clearly, I had I hadn't saved the last um, <laughs> last changes I had. He's I don't know what I don't have his ownership in front of me, um, but he's one that I think might be under twenty. Um, I'm just trying to get it now. While you're having a look at that, um, Nico, what what did what did do it for you last season? What was the what was the trick to to getting to that top two position? Uh, like I said, I, I don't think there was anything really too drastic that I did. I reckon if if you had a look at my trade history and my starting team, you'd kind of be like, oh, yeah, I wasn't, you know, far off that. Um, just, yeah, just traded well. I took a few risks. Like, um, you know, I traded Grundy during the buy period and I got bont in. Mm. Um, just little things like that. Just playing a bit more aggressive. Um, I definitely stuck to, 
like a one up, one down all through the season. Um, I, d- I never got tempted by double downgrading. I just always wanted to improve my team each week. Um, and I guess maybe that's what just kept me sort of, you know, floating at the top there for a while. Very mm. uh, ten. Yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah, just under ten percent, nine point eight. So I guess he would qualify as a, a point of difference, perhaps. Um, he, yeah. He's one that I'm sure we'll talk about him in a um, in a in a later podcast, but. He sort of has the scoring history there, and I think if, if his body holds up and, and he continues to have those moves in role, he could certainly go 80, 85, 90, um, which at 270K is, is pretty pretty tempting, um, especially when you, you toss up, you know, we're talking about Kadeen Coleman, who we're, we've seen three, I guess, quality games from, whereas Barry sort of got a season behind him. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think... Yeah, very. Uh, I think he had that one really good scoring year before he's he's had a couple of injuries. Is that right? Was it twenty twenty? He he went off a little bit. Um, yeah, I like him as well. Uh, my pod plays. I, I actually couldn't split these two because I like them both a lot. Um, Andrew Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong from Freo. Um, I really think there's a there's a gaping hole in that Freo midfield for one of these guys to step up um, and take that next step and become that. Fife level premium, um, especially with Fife obviously at the back end of his career as well as David Mundy. Um, so I've got Andrew Brayshaw in there currently. Um, he is currently priced at, let me just try on this. Um, and I think he, he's the one that's poised. I, I really like Sarong, um, but I think Brayshaw is the one that has the runs on the brawl. He's 584K, so he's, he's just in that second tier of, um, of premium mids. Um, and I think he's got that scoring potential. Does it, is the, the worry for me is the tag, um, and he does seem to be pretty susceptible to the tag. Um, that concerns me. Uh, if you guys had to pick out of Sarong and Brayshaw, what would you do? Mm, I'd go Brayshaw, I think. Um, yeah. He's proven that he can really get a monster score, so I'd lean that way. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in the Brayshaw camp. Um, I think Sarong will suck in a few people this year. Um, you know, best-case scenario, what is he, 105? Um, yeah. which, is, which is sort of awkward. He's not that, you know, when you look at guys like Clayton Oliver, Jack Steele, Took Miller, Jack McRae, Bontempelli, these sorts of players who can go 120, I'm not sure that a, a guy that best case pushes 110 is sort of um, sort of where you want to go. Whereas I think Brayshaw, if things went well, potentially could go into that top echelon um, where he's still wrong. He's just awkward. I'd, ra- I'd rather go a berry in the midfield um, or pay up for you know, your Horn Francis's and your Dacos, um, Josh Rachel, Rachelle, whatever it is as well, these more expensive rookies rather than investing in, in Sarong. I'm pretty anti-Sarong, um, but yeah. Brayshaw, Brayshaw is um, worth a look. Oh, he's not in my team, but worth a look, yeah. 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 If you had um, Sarong in the middle, you're probably giving up 10 points a week to to someone else. Like- well, as, Dylan, as Dylan says, you've got to sort of look best-case scenarios and, yeah, best-case scenario is – He's maybe a top 20 mid, um, which doesn't quite cut it, whereas I think Brayshaw does have more of a chance of getting inside that top 10. Um, and just quickly before we um, wrap this one up, um, I did ask you as well for a, an antipod player, someone that is really popular um, that you guys are both looking to avoid. Yeah, I'll start. Um, Whitfield, we mentioned him earlier. He's in 41% of teams. I'm kind of a little iffy on Dunkley as well. He's in 50% of teams. I just, I just don't know if he's over that. Shoulder 100%. Um, probably want to see a preseason game where he's definitely playing in the middle and he's he's throwing himself around and tackling hard like he always has. Um, so, and then there's 
picking one of Clayton Oliver or Sam Walsh at the moment, and they're in 37 and 32% of teams. So, yeah, it, it's hard. You just got to – I'm kind of leaning towards picking players that are uh, a bit untaggable um, and who hunt the footy like Took and Jack Steele and Jack McRae um, and who are high tacklers because I think the AFL have made another – you know, silly rule change again um, with around the holding the ball uh, decisions, making the AFL umpires' job even harder again, I think. But um, I think they're going to be paying a lot more holding the ball um, this year. So maybe maybe that's, you know, going to help me sort of sway to picking a Tuke Miller or something instead of a Sam Walsh or something who's probably more of just an accumulator rather than a, a high tackler. What about you, Dylan? Yeah, I've left Walsh out as well um, for similar reasons as, as Nico, so I won't, won't um, dwell on that too long. Cam Rain is another one who's in just over yeah. 25% of teams, and every year it's Cam Rain is going to break out. He's going to get all these midfield minutes, and he's you know he's the next Dustin Martin or Jordan DeGoey. I, I just I need to actually see it before I believe it. Like everyone's burning up the track in preseason. I, I don't. I'm, I'm also like you look at that Brisbane midfield mix, and you've got your Lions, your Jared Lyons, your Lockie Neals, um, your Jared Berries as well, these sorts of players. I think Rain is a better forward than what they are too. So I think just purely on a versati- uh, versatility thing, he spends more time forward than them. Um, and even reading some of the some of the training notes that you see filter through, it's often his explosiveness being t- spoken about, which is you know great from a from a watching football perspective. And if, you, if you're a, a Brisbane Lions supporter, but whether I wander out of the stoppage or I burst out of it at 100 miles an hour, it doesn't doesn't change how many super coach, uh, super coach points you score. So Rain is one that I'm not convinced on yet. If he goes and puts 210s in over the, the Marsh Cup or JLT series, whatever it's called these days, then maybe I'll have to sort of swallow my pride a little bit and look at picking him, um, especially if that ownership goes through the roof. But at the moment, I'm prioritising um, Stephen Cornelio and Jade Gresham as that sort of mid-price um, forward option. Yeah, Dusty. Dusty's in twenty eight percent of teams. I probably wouldn't go there. Um, you just don't know how um, he's going to respond um, to you know the tragedy in the off season. So yeah, I don't know. Wait and see. I think Dusty for me as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, boys. That's about all we've got time for today. Um, yeah, I hope everyone that's listening um, has enjoyed the inaugural AFL Supercoach Playbook podcast um if you are interested to follow us on our social channels we're on sc playbook afl on twitter instagram and uh facebook so if you have any feedback don't hesitate to let us know um we are all very keen to make this product as best uh, the best thing it can be um so yeah we'll be back here this time next week thanks boys thanks